0: And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all.
1: I haven't
2: really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary.
1: McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hey, Lethal Listeners.
0: Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger, though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, You better believe I'm going to win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on Season 1 of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in Season 2, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. David Archuleta has come out as part of the LGBTQ community. Kevin Hart is canceling cancel culture. And from Sex and the City to Gossip Girl, we're talking about the power of reboots with Salon's Kylie Chung. It's
2: June 14th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily.
0: Okay, I know that California, we get, like, a lot of crap for our weather because, like, you shouldn't complain. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm cat-sitting for my parents in the valley this week, and it's going to be 104 degrees. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So I'm complaining. Yeah. And I think you have a right to, I mean, it's going to be so warm. It's just another reason for me not to go outside. Um, I feel like I'm one of those people who in a like post pandemic world, everyone's like getting out and doing stuff and I'm trying to find reasons to stay indoors. So avoiding the heat is going to be my excuse this week. (laughs) No, I'm going to be indoors and I'm
0: going to cross all my freaking fingers that there's not going to be a heat induced blackout across LA because that happens way too frequently yeah that's
2: like a real problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so moving on in case you missed it over the weekend American Idol star David Archuleta officially came out as part of the LGBTQ community as you may remember the 30 year old singer was the runner-up on season seven of American Idol and since then has released eight albums Archuleta is a member of the Mormon Church, and in his Instagram post over the weekend, he stated, quote, You can be part of the LGBTQIA community and still believe in God and his gospel plan. Archuleta clarified that the church could do more to support LGBTQIA members. He wrote, quote, Even if you're left with so many more questions with faith and sexuality like me, I believe being open to both questions and to faith is how we receive answers. God blesses those who ask, so let's keep asking and seeking and having compassion and patience.
2: Okay, so Casey, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was really into this statement. You know, I think that there is a lot of overlap, of course, between the queer community and, you know, the religious community. And there's also a lot of really like, horrible feelings and, like, hardship. And I thought that he didn't make a statement that was, like, a a matter of fact. You know, it was just he said that he's questioning things and that the church can do better. And I thought that that was a good stance to take. And I'm happy that he finally felt like he was able to be in, like, the right place to come out. Right. You know, I'm not a part of a religious community, but,
0: you know, (laughs) it's very clear that that's a very complicated position to be in when, depending on your religion, you're told that being gay isn't the right path. And Archuleta, I think it's actually really cool that he chose to share his
2: moment with also the church. So moving on, Kevin Hart is denouncing cancel culture. Sure, Shyla, tell me more. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, you know, in an interview with the Sunday Times to promote his film Fatherhood, Hart said that he, quote, doesn't give a shit about cancel culture and that he had been canceled three or four times in his career. Hart was quick to say, quote, if somebody has done something truly damaging, then absolutely a consequence should be attached. Now, he's also come under fire for his previous tweets about the LGBTQIA plus community and forfeited his role as the host of the 2019 Oscars because he didn't apologize for them.
0: (laughs) Kevin Hart doesn't get to decide what happens to cancer culture. That's an end tweet. That's what it is. And it, it actually, don't you think that it's like very funny and I'm using the term funny loosely that he's like saying like people should be canceled if they do something bad, but also
2: right he's now trying to decide what's bad and what's not bad <laughs> and it's just like from someone who like he is someone who has been canceled quote unquote you know in cancel culture and yet he's also talking about like he i just feel like if you've been canceled you don't have the platform to talk about if you should be canceled you know right um or if other people should and it just i don't like the idea of i mean i don't know we've talked a lot about cancel culture on this show um but he is not, he's not the person I would listen to around the authority on I this. I think we see
0: this a lot too, like with, with comedians. Because comedians could just say, it's just a joke. Am I not allowed to tell jokes yeah. anymore? And I'm like, okay, maybe your jokes aren't funny. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> All right, so moving on. As we all know by now, Reboot Hype is still alive and well. And if the anticipation surrounding the return of shows like Gossip Girl and Sex and the City, which I am personally super hyped for, tell us anything, it's that we can't get enough of reliving our favorite TV shows. But can our favorite shows from the 90s and 2000s really work in
0: an entirely new cultural landscape? To tell us about what the latest reboots need to do in order to be successful, we're talking with culture writer Kylie Chung, who recently wrote all about it for Salon. Hi, Kylie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So... Just to catch listeners up to date, the Gossip Girl reboot is set to air next month while the Sex and the City sequel series and Just Like That is coming a bit later. Can you give us a quick update on what we know slash can expect from each? Yeah, both
1: shows are going to pick up years after kind of where their original iterations left off although a key difference between them is that gossip girl will feature an entirely new cast so not Blake Lively and Leighton Meester and everyone but sex in the city will feature three of the four main ladies in their cast other than Samantha who's Kim Cattrall and yeah I think all um sex and the city fans know that there's been <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some reasons for that oh, drama. But <laughs> But yeah, both of these original shows were pretty popular in for Sex and the City, like the late 90s, early 2000s, and Gossip Girl, kind of the later 2000s, early 2010s. And yeah, I think that these reboots kind of come at this time of really, there's just a lot of popularity around like the concept of nostalgia right now. And so...
2: Is that why you think that these two shows in particular, like, that's why they're getting so much buzz as opposed to other reboots? Or is it, I don't know, they both take place in New York? <laughs> <I mean.
1: laughs> Yeah, I think that that could definitely be a big part of it. I think it's just interesting that like, I mean, how many reboots are coming out in general, because it's just like, it's such a saturated market of just so much content right now because of all of these streaming services. And so one way to, you know, create something and already maybe automatically have this base and this following is to kind of just pull a reboot of like a show that was really popular in its time. So that could be one reason.
0: No, totally. And it makes sense because, you know, we've actually been talking about a lot of like, you know, like 2010 nostalgia or early 2000s nostalgia in terms of like the clothing that's coming back with Gen Z and stuff like that with the clothing we've already lived through. And I guess that's like, I mean, it just seems like that era is appealing. Do you think it's like mostly that or is it kind of just, you know, like enough time has
1: passed and it's time to make some money off these wildly popular franchises? (laughs) I'm sure that the latter is definitely a big part of that, definitely. I also think, I don't know, at least for Gossip Girl, my thinking is kind of just like, you know, at this time we're in 90s and 2000s, fashion is like such a thing. Like if you go on Depop and you're just scrolling a bit and then, you know, it's just fashion is such a focal point of, well, actually both shows, like fashion is such an intense part of Sex and the City and then also Gossip Girl. So I don't know, I'm wondering if there's something with that or kind of
0: yeah it, it makes sense especially since you know like Shiloh and I've seen on TikTok and stuff like that like yeah he, Gossip Girl is one of the most popular shows on the platform I would say like that and Glee and then throw yeah. in some Twilight and you've got the whole yeah, gamut I have Twilight. so I'm like I genuinely do wonder I feel like we all need to find someone to ask and be like did you want to reboot this because you saw it on TikTok all the time yeah <laughs>
2: That's so real. Um, And I also feel like these shows, uh, they're hitting new generations. Like with Gossip Girl, obviously, that's like geared towards the Gen Z generation. But then also with Sex and the City, yes, you're going to get new fans, but you're getting older fans and like the show was talking about like women in their 50s so you're hitting a whole new generation so i feel like that has something to do with it too maybe Um, (laughs) definitely (laughs) you know um but we have lots more questions for you so we'll be right back to talk about whether our favorite shows from the past can adapt to the present day and what they need to do to get it right Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me
0: Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to you and me both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl.
1: Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind-the-scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how this show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally
2: made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this.
1: At the end when he says you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke.
2: I believe that. I feel like I did.
1: I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was I I, I tossed that one out.
2: Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back. We're talking with Kylie Chung about reboots. So, you know, as much as we love the 90s, things have um, really evolved culturally and politically since then. How important do you think it will be for both shows to reckon with the past missteps?
1: It's definitely going to be really important just because, I mean, these issues, to be clear, have always been important. Like issues of representation, issues of addressing, like economic privilege in like a meaningful way and issues of like queer representation and portray and not like romanticizing unhealthy or illegal relationships on television so all of these issues have definitely been really important but I think yeah the conversations that we're having now and how they've intensified just add that urgency to making these changes in these new iterations definitely
0: You know, in watching some of these shows back, is there
1: anything that sticks out
0: to you that would never work if they were airing today? You know, two episodes come to mind for me for Sex and the City. And actually, (laughs) I believe that they are back-to-back episodes. And I didn't watch the show until probably last year. So it was tough for me to watch. But so- The two episodes are one where they handle bisexuality and then the other right after where Samantha dates a
1: black man.
0: I mean, (laughs) do you know which ones I'm talking about?
1: (laughs) I do. I think I wrote a bit about those um, because yeah, I mean, those just immediately came to mind for me as well. Because yeah, I think that there's just so many important conversations right now where I mean like in the past, maybe as recent as like 2000s, early 2010s, you know, like bisexuality was still often used as like this punchline of, these people can't choose. And then, yeah, I think the episode that you're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, is when Carrie dates kind of a younger guy and he's bisexual. And she kind of just writes it off as like this new young people's trend. And she and her friends just go around and say, or like, they're just discussing it and like just say so many biphobic things. And then the other episode you're talking about is when I think Samantha's exact quote was, um, I don't see color, I see conquests or something. And I was just like, oh my, oh my God. Like, I don't, like, I don't even, so yeah, I think that it's just like, you know, today we're having these conversations where like, I don't know, saying you're colorblind is just deeply offensive because you have to be able to be with someone of like a different race. I mean, it's like really important to understand how that aspect of their identity affects their realities and their experiences. And I think that that's something that people seem to be much more aware of now where that quote really stands out and is just like so glaringly problematic and racist. So
2: this brings me to my next point, which, you know, while both shows have now announced that they're going to be casting several people of color, you know, the original series, Really lack diversity. Um, so, how do you hope reboots can tackle racial identity in a meaningful
1: way? Casting and representation, that's like one aspect of media representation, whereas the other is actually creating storytelling that acknowledges that racial identity and shows how it plays a role in that character's story and in their experiences. In Gossip Girl, I mean, for one thing, or the original um, series, like for one thing, it's pretty much almost like all white except for um one biracial character vanessa and then in a later season they introduce a black woman who ends up dating both jack and nate yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i think what's frustrating is for those cases like they never really kind of discuss or acknowledge you know the Role that those women's racial identities play in this predominantly white setting. And so I think that that's something that's so crucial for both of these reboots to avoid is, I mean, that you can't just have a diverse cast, but have them still ultimately like be a part of a very like. White centric um, story where I don't know where we don't even see how their racial identities like play a role in their story at all. And so, yeah, I'm hopeful.
2: So, just like going off of that, speaking of class, both of these shows they also glorify privilege and wealth. It's not just like, you know, I think with Gossip Girl, um, you had characters like Dan and Vanessa who weren't like born into this world, so to speak, um, but that's the world that they're in now. So how do you think that aspect will translate into current times for both shows?
1: Yeah, I think that's something that to me was so interesting about Gossip Girl was it was both like simultaneously, it was like this scathing critique of like economic privilege, but also it was like a perpetuation of it at the same time, because it's like, yeah, they showed like how reckless and irresponsible these rich young people were and all of their privilege. But I mean, it also overwhelmingly kind of portrayed them as pretty sympathetic or like wrote the story in a way where you were supposed to like root for them, even when they did really messed up things and like you were supposed to root for them just getting away with it. And I feel like today, you know, when I think there's a lot of justified, heightened, like anti-capitalist sentiment, I don't know. I don't really think that that writing would still hit. I just kind of questioned how Dan, he was supposed to be like the relatable character that you saw this privilege through the eyes of. But he was, I don't know, like he lived in this pretty giant Brooklyn loft and his dad was like, had once been like a pretty successful rock star. So I don't know. Like one thing I kind of hope is, I'm sure in this new reboot, you know, there's going to be characters who are supposed to be like the token, like middle class-ish or like relatable character that audiences get to see the show through their gaze and like I hope that they actually have someone who is like an accurate reflection of like the middle class and stuff and you know ever since Gossip Girl originally aired through right now I think what like such a big conversation among the young people who are probably the main target audience is is like student debt and is like college affordability and so I think you know there might be a degree of frustration in like You know, that maybe we would have liked to see some new storytelling that actually reflects these modern realities and adaptations that way more people would be able to find relatable. So I don't know. Those are just. No, I that love that. And mind. also
0: now, I'm never going to stop thinking about you bringing up the loft situation. Cause I feel like, I feel like Hollywood is like, Oh yeah. Lofts mean they don't have money. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's a big difference between a loft and a studio apartment.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: because it's one room. Like it's like, there's a very big difference. Okay, so, you know, I might be being a little bit too hopeful, but I feel like I am more hopeful for Gossip Girl than I am Sex and the City. Because Gossip Girl, at least we have a new cast, they're young, so we're going to be dealing more with, like, today's issues for the youth and trying to see if we can correct it in that way from, like, what it was in the past. But Sex and the City, same cast, just as white, just as straight. It's like, what What do you think? Is it too much of a hurdle for them to climb at this point? Or do you think
1: they are going to be able to make actual changes? Yeah, I'm definitely with you um, on Gospel and that. I do think it's exciting that, you know, all, a lot of these actors are like, no one knows them. There's just these fresh faces. And, and yeah, it's really exciting. Um, for Sex and the City, yeah, I think that that's definitely a thought I had too. I mean, one thing that makes me feel a little interested or curious about it is that there's just such like a dearth of like storytelling of like women over a certain age in Hollywood where we act like women in their 50s like just don't exist or like are like these sexless beings and so I don't know I'm hopeful that it can be progressive in that way but you know it's just gonna have to adapt in so many ways where like the people of color that they have casts hopefully aren't just, like, these tokens and, like, they actually have meaningful stories. Yeah, I think that there's, like, definitely more hope on that front with Gossip Girl having that new... Cast of fresh faces and so for sex in the city you know i i think it really comes down to just actually creating meaningful stories for Mm -hmm. the people of color who are there but again Mm -hmm. that's being pretty hopeful given (laughs) how things have been
0: well i'm definitely gonna be watching (laughs) yes yes exactly and we'll all find out well kylie thank you so much for joining us today oh of course thank you so much for
2: having me That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, yes, we will always continue to complain about California weather. (laughs) Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
0: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you
2: daily.
0: Hello, I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers, like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry.
2: I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it to me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them.
0: Artist and creative juggernaut, Goldie.
2: And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you, right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and, and, and laugh and I find that being the happiest.
0: And many more. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
2: Rafi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So, who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children. All good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Rafi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and
1: Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.